Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You know the difference between hockey and those other sports? You gotta be tough to be a hockey player. I idolized Dominic Kaczyk. I played goalie because of Dominic Kaczyk. My life in hockey has been started because of Sabres hockey. I didn't need playoffs this year. I wanted it, but I didn't need it. But when you screw up for the fans as much as the team has over the last, like, five years, and just don't hold yourself accountable, I'm sorry. I'll hang up and listen. I'm sorry. Welcome to Two Goalies, One Mike, an in-depth look and behind-the-mask conversation about the greatest game on earth, where everything goes and nothing's off-limits. Now I'll tell you something about this guy. This is only three minutes, eh? Whammo! Welcome, everybody, to episode 77 of Two Goalies, One Mike. I am Dwayne, your host. Um, I will be joined shortly here by my co-host Gianni Cullen. Um, he's right now currently on the ice, uh, helping the future goaltenders of North America. Um, has a lot of fun with that. You can check it out. Big game goaltending whenever you have a chance. Uh, if you have any goalies that are looking, you know, to further their game along, Gianni does a phenomenal job. Uh, also, um, any shooters, he's always looking for shooters, uh, help out volunteers. So, Always check that out. And remember that this episode of Two Goalies, One Mike is brought to you by Outlet Liquor on George Roman Boulevard, the very place to buy a case. Uh, whenever I go out for, you know, game day for a Bills game, game night, or a matinee for the Sabres, I am always going to Outlet Liquor. They have so many options there. Be sure to get there. They treat you like your family. I, I know from experience, the trainer family knows from experience. They are absolutely unbelievable there. But without further ado, you know, uh, around 9 p.m., that will be in nine minutes, we will have on none other than from NHL Network, EJ Raddick. Uh, excited to have him on. This is the second time he'll be on with us. Um, guy is an absolute beauty. Uh, you know, he's always fun to talk to. I've uh, been trying to uh, get him on here for a little bit now. Um, but, you know, schedules always conflict when you're as big as EJ is. Sometimes it's difficult to align things, especially with Cully sometimes with his uh, schedule with, uh, you know, coaching. So with that being said, uh, until then, you know, I didn't get a chance to do an I'll hang up and listen after the uh, the Sabres loss, you know, to the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs, which was an absolute heartbreaker for us, obviously. Uh, I believe the final was 5-4. Um, I think it was, I want to say maybe it was Morgan Riley who had the game winner. Uh, you know, I think it was like 11 seconds left. Again, an absolute heartbreaker. Um, you know, but you got to remember it was, um, you know, it, you had you had uh, Aaron Dell making his uh, Sabres regular season debut. And again, very tough to watch. Um, you know, some very questionable goaltending on both sides, I'd say. But uh, I would have to think that even if we had Dustin Tokarski in there, we're looking at a, a win for the Buffalo Sabres. Nothing against Aaron Dowd and some bounces just didn't go his way. But 
Um, I think that right there is just a, a prime example of one of the things that are going to hold this team back this season. As good as Craig Anderson has been, as good as you know Dustin Tokarski has been when he has played, uh, unfortunately, it just didn't bounce. You know, I just don't know if that's going to be sustainable um, over an 82 game season. I, it, you know, you saw how great Tokarski played against uh, Edmonton, but I think that was honestly one of the better. 60-minute team efforts we've seen all season. Uh, Dylan Cousins line, lined up, uh, matched up with uh, Connor McDavid's line. And even though, you know, Leon Drysdale had two goals, uh, I, you know, absolutely impressively shut down Connor McDavid. You know, how often can you say that? I hope he keeps – it's a feather in his hat, and I hope he takes a lot of pride in that because not many guys who match up, you know, with him every time he's out there can say they held that guy at one point, you know, which was an assist. Uh you know, and I think it might have been even a power play point. I, you know, definitely a lot to be proud of. Jacob Bryson, again, you know, late in the game, McDavid was, you know, carrying the puck in. And one thing I always say with players, I say this a lot with Ovechkin, is I don't understand why people give these guys so much separation and time. Uh, if you control your gaps and, you know, just put part of your body on them, you can knock these guys off the puck. Maybe not so much uh, Ovechkin because the guy's built like a bull. But, you know, get your body on these guys and you could definitely disrupt them, knock them off the puck. That's exactly what Jacob Bryson did. And I remember last couple of weeks watching Darlene get walked a few times. It was legitimately the exact same play. Puck carrier coming coming in on a one-on-one and Darlene just keeps that separation instead of just putting on the brakes, stepping up, controlling his gap, and just getting a piece of him. That's exactly what Jacob Bryson did. Honestly, I've never been more impressed with the kid than, than again in that game against Edmonton. Uh, you know, I think he turned a lot of uh, fans' heads too. You know, for me especially, just that one play alone, just being able to uh, stop. Honestly, the best player in the world. I don't even think it's, you can even argue that he's best player in the world. I think by the time his career is over with, he might be the one of the greatest, if not the greatest of all time. And I just. I know people, especially up in Canada, will be like, no way, Gretzky's the greatest of all time. And I'm not going to dispute that, but, like, you know, if, if if McDavid played in the same era as Gretzky, I think he, he would go shot for shot with him, without a doubt, 100%. I don't even think I'm out of line with Saint for saying that. Um, I, uh, I just – I'm a, a, a huge fan of his game. Um, you know, Jacob Bryson, absolutely uh, – Impressed me, impressed a lot of Sabres fans, and I can't stress again. I can't stress it enough. I, I'm I'm so encouraged to see what he ha- what you know what um what's to come with him. You know what I mean? It's uh it's gonna be a lot of fun. So uh, with that being said, I'm expecting obviously uh, Johnny Cullen here any moment with us. Uh, sorry for the holdup, guys. And again, EJ Radical be on with us in about five minutes. So stay tuned for that. We're gonna have a lot on tap. Uh, as I previewed in the in the tweets earlier, we're going to talk about obviously uh, Don Granado's Sabers. Uh, what has changed since last year? The we're just a little over a week removed from the Jack Eichel trade. Uh, you know, just his feelings on that, and you know what um, to expect with him over in Vegas. I I, I would think that uh, it's going to be you know a powerhouse. I for for me, in my opinion, I think that team is just so well constructed. I think it's cup or bust. Am I right or am I wrong? Like, you know, that team is just going to be so good. You think of a first line like Eichel, Pacioretty, and Stone. Like, who's going to stop that? That matches up with the best lines in the league. 
you know, I think, you know, with, you know, when you think, of, when you think of that, you think Bergeron, Pasta and Marshawn, like, absolutely. Like that just, you know, that's probably going to be the most dangerous line in hockey. And it's, you know, I get, I'm starting to get those posts. I wrote Ryan O'Reilly trade vibes, you know, where we're all losing our minds after you won the cup. We could be looking at like, the Jack in Vegas. I'm not, I hate to say it. I really do believe that, you know, I think we're going to be having a stroke, uh, seeing him possibly lift the cup, uh, you know, you know, maybe six, seven months from now, you know, whenever that is. So I'm uh, not looking for that. We're obviously going to talk some Seattle expansion. Uh, very, very excited to talk that. Cause the last time we did speak with EJ, that was one of the things that uh, he brought up, you know, he was excited to talk with us about was, uh, you know, the newest uh, team in the NHL, the uh, Seattle Kraken, uh, you know, see how the, uh, crackhead nation uh has liked their team so far and i'm uh, i'm excited to talk about that i'm excited to talk about alexander ovechkin um chasing gretzky's record the guy is probably off to the best start of his career um at 36 years old which is absolutely bananas um that that guy is um off to the start he's at and then believe as well as he started off to believe that he's not even leading the league in goals right now with how the pace he's scoring at is Leon Dreisaitl, who scored two against Buffalo uh, to get to 14, I believe it was. Um, I, I don't know if Ovechkin has scored since the other night, but he was at 12. So, again, that's a chase that's going to be a lot of fun to watch. The guy's on pace for like 70, 75 goals. Obviously, I don't know if that's going to be sustainable, but anything's possible with Alexander Ovechkin, um, without a doubt. So, uh just obviously let us know what you think in the comments. We got a few comments here, uh, you know, from Iron Newf, uh, you know, very tough loss. Don Keith, the loss did break my heart, but they played their hearts out. They did play their hearts out, you know, and, you know, I think that in Buffalo, that's what we want right now. We just want enjoyable hockey. And it really, it, what's really crushing me, I've, I've been to a couple games so far, is I really, really, really want to see fans start to fill in the seats there. I mean, I'm asking for sellouts. Obviously, there are a lot of fans that are still jaded, uh, partially myself included. But I, you have to appreciate the style of hockey these guys are playing. Um, I, You know, they, they go out there. They're prepared from puck drop, um, you know, start to finish. They give you a full 60-minute effort. And it's just a lot of fun to watch. I, I can't – again, it's just – it's a it's a brand of hockey we just have not seen in Buffalo in a very very long time. I uh, it's just you know how do you even I I don't even like when this season started I wasn't even sure precisely like how to react because it's like is this going to be sustainable like when they were winning like obviously none of us really thought it was and they kind of came down to earth on that West Coast trip uh, going 0-4 and one but. Even in the losses, they're out there. They're working their asses off. They're not. They're leaving it all out on the ice. And I've said it a couple of times. You know, I think you're you're, you're going to see a lot of loser points out of this team. You're going to see a lot of games get to overtime. See a lot of games get to shootouts. Um, and I think when you do lose a lot of, you know, outside of maybe what you saw against uh, the Maple Leafs, you know, the lack of goaltending. Um, is just the lack of the elite talent on this team. Um, and that's not to sit there and that's not a, a negative, you know, you know, projection of the players on this team. It really isn't. But you just don't replace a Jack Eichel. You just don't. You don't just replace a Sam Reinhardt. You just don't. 
Um, you know, you I, the, the the one game that stuck out to the most to me was uh, the Bo- the Boston game early on the season. Pasta, you know, P- Pasternak made a, a couple uh, key uh, individual plays and um, really came on and really helped uh, get Boston past us in that game. And I just, uh, you know. For me, that was just a glaring of example of when you have an individual or individuals on a team who are just so talented that can really put the team on their backs in a moment or go out there and make it an elite hockey play and come in and, you know, take over take over a game. Uh, so with that being said, joining us right now is none other than the man, the myth, the legend, E.J. Raddick. E.J., how are you, man? I'm good. How are you? I am fantastic. I'm still waiting on my co-host. He's uh he was uh on the ice actually until eight fifty, um working That's with the good. young goaltenders of America. That's good. Yeah. We like that. I like hearing that. Yep, yep. And uh, last time we talked to you, um obviously a lot has changed with the Buffalo yes. Sabres since then, right? Um yep. a lot of new faces and a lot of old faces no longer with us. Uh, you know, obviously the most glaring would be Jack Eichel who was traded a little bit over a week ago. And just to get right in, right in, right into the thick of it, EJ, um, you know, where were you when that news broke? And what was your initial reaction to the return for Buffalo? Because for me, well, it was like 60 cents on the dollar. Yeah, well, it's funny because I'm kind of a night owl. And, uh, and I'm up late a lot of times. And I had been in touch with uh, Pat Brisson, who was the agent uh, for yeah. Jack. Uh, and we were kind of, I was trying to reach him during the day. And, you know, them being him being in the West Pacific time zone, I'm back here in the East. Uh, he sent me a note of kind of apology at like midnight Pacific time at like 3 a.m. my time in, uh, you know, in, in New Jersey. And, uh, you know, probably not figuring, Hey, he's not going to be up, but you know, at least I could send a note. Hey, we'll talk tomorrow or whatever. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so I didn't want to seem like I was too much of a crazy person that I would be up at three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> so I did not respond to that, uh, to that note. And I just wonder if I had, maybe we could have had a give and take and the deal was already done at that point. So when you asked me when I actually found out it was the next morning when I did get up and I did see that the you know the news that uh, that uh, the deal had been finalized, but I should have known something was fishy when I got a text at that time of night. That's happened to me in my career before with different people, and uh, you know I should have known that something was up. But you know I think for the Sabers, uh, you know when you consider what they were doing, they were trading someone that is not healthy at this moment that had to have a surgery that they were not willing to to go along with um and they had not played and we have to see how this is going to play out i mean they were it's a distressed asset as they say and when you have a distressed asset when you're gonna move that person or that asset whatever it is um you're not going to get the to what's your point of 100 percent on the dollar you're going to get what you can get and i think from the Sabres standpoint, uh, what they get is they get to say someone takes the entire contract so they don't have to eat any money. Uh, they get to move on. They get two players that should be able to be part of their franchise for a long time. Uh, Alex Tuck is from the Western New York area. I'm excited for he, Alex Tuck. He wants to be there. He's shown flashes of, of real brilliance in his career. We'll see if he can do that 
you know, on a night-to-night basis uh, and really be much more consistent. But he's really high-end talent, big, strong, fast, skilled. And so he's a, he's going to play in this league for, you know, another 10 years. And, and you know, the same thing with the young player that they end up getting in the deal. I mean, they sent him to Rochester, and they're, they're going to hope that, uh, you know, they like him. And he was a high draft pick, and they think it's somebody that can come in and play for them down the road. So they get two players, and then they get the couple of draft picks. And, you know, draft picks are always kind of a, you know, a dicey situation. If the if the Golden Knights get their act together and finish higher in the standings, the draft picks won't, the draft first round pick won't be as appealing. But still, there are picks to work with for a team that is basically doing a reset. And, uh, you know, we'll just have to watch and see how it plays out. It'll be up to Kevin Adams and his staff to kind of, you know, build with these these young players that they have. Uh, they've kind of cast out that group of Ristolainen and and Eichel and and that that lot of players. And now they're going back to the start. We'll see if they can make it work. I would imagine in Buffalo they're probably tired of hearing it, but I don't think oh, you yeah. have any other choice right now. You, you you've got to just you've got to live in the present. And the present is that uh, they've got some good young players within their group right now that have upside. They have good players in their system. Owen Powers at the University of Michigan will probably be there next year. And you could end up with, uh, you know, more good players to come with draft picks and prospects. So that's where it's at for the Buffalo Sabres right now. And it wasn't ideal, not something you want to do to trade someone like Jack Eichel, but uh, you got to live in in the real world. And this is where they're at. You're right on there, EJ. Um, You know, Outside of your thoughts on that whole situation, obviously the wording of the CBA that gives the team obviously final say on it. I have to imagine that that's going to be something that's going to change once negotiations start on up again for the next CBA, because I think what this did, especially, you know, having a guy like Robin Lehner, who was very outspoken about it, who's been very outspoken about, you know, things the way they went here in Buffalo in the past as well. uh, You have to imagine that's going to change because I, you know, especially with the with the league as a whole, the Players Association as a whole, seeing like how this dragged out. And I just don't want it to get lost in the whole scope of this is the fact that a young man, who's I think he's only 25 now, was forced to kind of sit at home in pain while this all happened. And in, in reality, he wasn't bluffing. He's thinking long-term his life after hockey. And I think it was really – that one podcast, I think that Elliot Freeman did with, with the doctor who eventually uh, did the procedure, uh, uh, Dr. Prusmek, you know, he kind of laid it all out there and said, you know, this is, these are the pot, they're both good procedures, the ADR and the distribution, but, you know, this has the benefits of not needing, uh, you know, any more procedures down the line, which I actually, my stepmother, who actually had a fusion in her neck too, she's had more than one procedure. So I know firsthand that that, yeah. that there is more of a probability with the fusion to have that have another procedure done yeah i mean uh, we've done uh you know you know obviously we've all done some kind of research on it if you're in the hockey business uh, on our show nhl now we had uh a doc, dr patel from the university of michigan who has done that surgery many times kind of laid out both sides it wasn't uh you know for me when i heard it you know i it wasn't neither i would say this neither surgery was that appealing to me no surgery is really no appealing no to not, me. not either yeah, and, and so, but at the end of the day, when you lay it out, especially for a young, healthy guy like Jack, uh, you know, I think that I could I could certainly understand the decision he made. And mm-hmm. uh, he's had the surgery now. He seems to be recovering well at this point. So hopefully things are going to go well for him and go through the rehabilitation process and get, regaining his strength. And, and 
hopefully I'll have a chance to play in three, three and a half, four months down the road. So we'll see. But uh, it was, you know, it was unfortunate uh, that it played out the way it did. Um, you know, and, and down the road, I guess the, the Players Association and the league will have to discuss if they want to continue to uh, have the CBA operate in the same way that it did. Uh, I'm sure that, you know, teams that, that pay a lot of money for these players, they want to be able to protect the, you know, their feelings about, about the asset as well. And on the flip side, certainly an an individual um, should have the ability to choose what kind of surgical procedure he is going to have moving forward. So there's a lot, uh, there was a lot to chew on there. Um, But in the end, Jack has moved on. He's gotten the surgery and now we wait and see. And as for the Sabres, they can move on as well. And uh, you know, for, for the fans up there in Western New York, they've got to hope that the uh, you know the young players they have are, you know, it's been a it's been a pretty good start so far. They've been playing hard. Uh, I don't expect it to be a playoff year by any means, but I think for them, they the, a success this year is how the young players continue to improve and how competitive they are on a night to night basis. And so far, they've been a very competitive group. Yeah, and I think I think big part of that too the competitiveness. I mean. I, you know, I'm not sure how much you've, you know, how fat, how far back you're willing to remember, but you know, the first, you know, actually both times he was coached here, you know, the, the a Don Granado coached hockey team with the talent level he has. And again, I said this before we brought you on, this is nothing against the players that we have on this team. But I, I think that you just don't replace a Jack Eichel. I mean, you just don't replace yeah, a Sam yeah. Reinhardt. Um, yeah, yeah. But you know, the, their ability to work hard from puck drop. We didn't see that with a Ralph Kruger coach hockey team. They weren't ready a lot of times from puck drop with under Don Granado. It's literally a night and day difference. And I, I said, I think they're going to grind out, even if they're not winning, I think they're going to a team that's going to grind out a lot of loser points this season. They're going to get games to overtime. They're going to get games to shoot out. They might not win, but they're going to be entertaining. You're not going to outwork them very often. Um, and, um, I just, you know, I, it makes me think of back of those old Ted Nolan, coach teams you know especially back in the late 90s uh you know the hardest working team in hockey we used to call them when I was a yeah. fan with my dad the season tickets we used to show up to the games with hard hats on our heads that they, the team used to give us and it was a blast you know Grant we had the best goalie in the world uh in, in that at the time and uh that made things a lot easier for the guys out on the ice uh but you know that I get I kind of get reminiscence of, of those of those days just that, the, the work ethic which is you know which is all we want as fans. That's all we've wanted for a long yeah. time. It works hard. Yeah, I would agree. I think fans in most places, they want, I mean, they obviously want to win and they want to have great teams and win championships. But I think at the end of the night, you know, there's only one team that wins in any league. And I think that the fans that pay their money to come into the building, they, they expect the players to work really hard from the, the time the puck is dropped to the very end of the game. And I think so far, the Sabres have tried to do that. I know, uh, you know, the, uh, the uh, Kyle Oposo sent out that letter early in the season. Kyle has yep. played pretty well in the games I've seen so far. And uh, so, um, you know, that, that that's what that's going to be the calling card for the Buffalo Sabres, you know, moving forward. And as they add good young players, hopefully they can incorporate skill and ability with the idea that, uh, you know, this is going to be a hardworking team. That's going to be the culture. And, uh, you know, in Buffalo for the last 10 years, it's been unfortunate. I think uh, the owners, uh, Terry and Kim Pagula, have had best intentions. They've spent a lot of money. It hasn't worked out. I think some of the hires have been really questionable to me. 
Um, but, you know, again, you can't live in the past. You have to live in the present. And they're hoping that Kevin Adams and Don Granato and the group they have there now can really push this group forward. And, you know, time will tell. But uh, like I say, I think the ownership group certainly has the financial wherewithal to make it happen. They've already shown that for 10 years. Unfortunately, it hasn't translated to Oh, we can't hear you, Jay. Oh, I had a lost. call. So you got oh, me back? Go. There you go. I had a call <laughs> coming in. I had to uh, I had Sorry to delete that. that, too. So, anyway, that's it. We'll see how it plays out. But, I mean, you know, again, I think that uh, the uh, the financial resources are still there. And, you know, hopefully they'll, they'll get things moving in the right direction. I hope so. Obviously, with the, the way the football team has played uh, last season and this season, you kind of hope you, you kind of get. I'm not sure how much you follow the Bills, but you know a lot of we get a lot of comparisons with Don Granado, Sean McDermott uh, here in Buffalo so far. And you yeah. know, I hope things go the hey, hey, and now not to mention now they have a team dog, so maybe that'll help increase burnout <laughs> a little bit. You know, can't hurt. Can't hurt. For a while. Can't hurt. No, no, no. You know, dogs are sometimes, in my opinion, dogs are better than people. So uh, <laughs> I don't think it's even debatable. You know, no matter what, they're always happy to see it. Uh, yeah. But uh, touching on the other team in that trade, Vegas, um, yeah. when they do add Eichel, that lineup is going to be scary. <laughs> like the potential of Pacioretty, Eichel, and Stone on a line together, that probably, in my opinion, that makes me think that they might, you know, match up to get about one of the best lines in the league, kind of like, you know, the way Bergeron, Marchand, and Pasternak has been for a, a couple of seasons now. Yeah, I mean, uh, for the Vegas Golden Knights, I mean, they're a team that's been all in from day one of their franchise, right? And that's with who they are. They've they had the great first year, and they weren't ready to rest on those laurels. They've moved popular players out of there, Marc-Andre Fleury, Nate Schmidt. Uh, and others, and they've brought in, you know, the likes of Stone and Pacioretty and Petrangelo and Leonard, and now they have brought in Jack Eichel, and they can only hope that Eichel's surgery is very successful and the recovery is good, and he can come back and be the Jack Eichel that we all know. And if that's the case, well, that's a hole they had there. Their team was, uh, it's pretty good on defense. Uh, Robin Leonard is a very capable goaltender. They've got some really good wingers, but they had a gaping hole down the middle of their lineup. By adding by adding Jack Eichel there as your number one center now, you can slide William Carlson into that two-hole where he's a good fit. You can have Chandler Stevenson maybe as a three, Nick Waugh as a four. I mean, all of a sudden now your depth through the middle of your lineup is way better. There will be some cap challenges there when they get everybody healthy. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, someone like, like Riley Smith, for example, he may have to be moved out. We'll see what the what the Vegas Golden Knights do and what the timing of Jack Eichel's return is, but uh, certainly the the big hole within that group was that was at center. It is impossible, really impossible, to get number one centers without drafting them. Almost impossible. And usually, when it does happen, it's in a case where there has been some kind of circumstance around it, some kind of problem, like we saw in Buffalo, and that's why he was available. So. The Vegas Golden Knights are uh, again all in, and uh, yeah. it's a it's a it's high risk, high reward, but uh, certainly he was a guy that fits exactly what they need. So if he can come back and be healthy, uh, I think they got a chance to be a really tough team to deal with. 
like you said, man, they're all in, you know, pun intended for Vegas, you know, you know, they took a gamble and I personally, I think it's going to work out for them. And, you know, it's a scary as a Sabres fan because we've seen this song and dance before with Ryan O'Reilly when we traded Ryan O'Reilly lifting the cup the following year. And I think it's cup or bust for, for Vegas. I think that's why they make this move. They know that they feel their time is now, uh, you know, they're up against the cap. Um, and you know, you, you don't make this move for any other reason, but that, and yeah, it's 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 a scary thing for any for any for the you know teams in the West, teams like Colorado, and you know they're they're looking to contend this year. Now they have a team like Vegas that just added a centerman, you know, like Jack Eichel to an already such a dangerous lineup. And you know, just in time, hopefully, you know, me opinion again, I'm a Sabres fan, and I hated seeing Jack leave, but I'm also a big you know Team USA fan, and I really want it. Hopefully, you know, I know it's a it's a long shot, but see him come back for the Olympics because. That turns Team USA, you know, having that type of depth down the middle. The, the first time they've had that kind of depth down the middle in I don't know how long, you know, for any for any you know uh, Olympic or you know World Championship event. Yeah, well, they've had some good teams in the past and some good centers, you know, on their teams in the past. I think guys like Ronick and Madonna mm-hmm. through the middle. But uh, you're right. I mean, if I yeah, go come back and be healthy with Matthews and some of the others they have there, I mean, that would be certainly a big help for them. I guess for for Jack, I mean, we had him on our show a couple of weeks ago or maybe last week and prior to the surgery. And, uh, you know, he would love to do it if it works out. Uh, if he's healthy enough to go, maybe you can have him as your 13th forward and kind of see where he's at as the tournament I goes on. Know. It's a short tournament. and uh, But time will tell. And I think for Jack, the best, the most important thing is to listen to the doctors and and to do what's right for him and his development and his recovery, so to speak, moving forward. So uh, the Olympics would be a nice thing for him, but at the end of the day, he's going to do. I believe he's going to do what the doctors tell him, and best for him. you know, take uh, put his best interests and his health in front of anything else. And hopefully, he'll be back playing hockey at some point soon, whether it is at the Olympics or maybe after that in Vegas. I agree. Uh, you know, I again, you know. I, I know he, that guy takes a ton of pride in putting that jersey on. Uh, it, it, I mean, he played for Granado back, I think, with the uh, NTDP. I, I believe he played under Granado um, in some in some fashion. I believe I, I know uh, Donnie mentioned before he's coached Jack in the past, uh, but it's um, you know I know he takes a ton of pride in wearing that jersey. And again, even I'm not a bitter Sabres fan. I want to see Team USA win, and if that means you know. Jack Eichel's leading the way while doing it, or you know, even Austin Matthews a bitter. I, I hate the Leafs, but if Austin Matthews helps lead the way, you know, I, I, I'm old school. Hate the Leafs too, EJ. Like I, yeah. you know, back back in the late '90s, 2000 when both when this rivalry was relevant, when they used to come to town, I used to take lotion and rub it as a kid. We used to take lotion and find find the Canadian license plates and rub it underneath their handle. Their, uh, their handles. I'm old school. Well, so. hey, I love behave. It. Behave. I, I want to see, and I don't want to hear about any bad reports or any trouble. So be no, it won't be like that. But uh, right. before we let you go, I want to ask you. Uh, well, actually, two small things. Uh, you're, you know, obviously things for Seattle aren't going as well as they did for Vegas. You know, they're last in their division, uh, four and ten record. But it does seem like that fan base has embraced that team, and hockey is alive and well in Seattle. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's been a great run up there. They've got a beautiful building. Uh, they've got uh, some really high-end people running the show there. Uh, you know it was going to be a tough act to follow Vegas. I mean, Vegas made it all the way to the Cup 
final before losing to the Washington Capitals. And, uh, you know, it's just, I think for, for Ron Francis and that group, it was not going to be as easy, although the rules were the same. A lot of the general managers were familiar with what happened in the situations in Vegas, and they were determined really not to make the same mistakes again. They were not going to trade multiple players to save one player, because as that turned out, as we saw in Vegas, uh, there were there were teams that were, you know, the players that they got ended up being really helpful guys. In fact, one of them is now in your organization, Alex Tuck. Remember all that went on with Minnesota? They traded away. Hall, I believe, and Tuck, and, uh, you know, to sit to, to really hold on to a player that they wanted. I think it was Matt Dumba at the time, but I'm not even exactly sure anymore who it was. But the bottom line was those two players were on to be really helpful players for Vegas. Florida ended up making some deals like that. There were other teams that did the same thing. Uh, Columbus did something like that. Those type of deals really helped the Vegas Golden Knights. I think the general managers were kind of uh, a little sharper this time around. They weren't in the in the mind to uh, trade multiple players to protect one. And in the end, I think that was probably the smart, smart way to go. So for the Seattle Kraken, it has been a tough start. Uh, I think it will probably be a long season. Uh, they don't score a ton, but uh, they're big and strong as a group. They've got uh, competent goaltenders. And so, you know, we'll see if they can get on a little run. But right now, they're in a, they're in a division right now. That is way tougher than we thought it was going to be because the LA Kings, I think, are seven zero and one in the last eight that they're they're in. Anaheim has won seven in a row. Mm-hmm. San Jose has played much better than we thought. Uh, Edmonton and Calgary are playing really great hockey right well, now. I'm, I'm not even mentioning Vegas. You know, I mean, there there's been some really good stories in the Pacific Division this year. So I think the Seattle Kraken have probably got their hands full, but. I think the fans in Seattle love it. They got a great building. They have something to build upon. And I think that franchise will grow and develop as time goes on and be just fine. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know what, too, is uh, they have a great uh, – their first-round pick is absolutely playing out of his mind right now for the University of Michigan. Obviously, here in Buffalo, we're following that school a lot. Um, I'm sure you, know, you are. Eric yeah. Portillo and Owen Power. I, me, personally, I think Eric, Eric Portillo is the future fran- you know, franchise goaltender. Uh, this team, uh, his size alone, his, his, you know, his flexibility. Um, he has all the intangibles to be a franchise goaltender. That's nothing against Devin Levi, who we got back in the uh, Sam yeah. Reinhardt deal or Uka Pekalukunen, who's playing very well in yeah. Rochester right now. But I just, I look at a kid like Eric, who's just so calm, has such calm feet and how, how, how well, how patient he is at tracking the puck and just ability to move side to side, post to post, and he doesn't make really any mistakes out there. And I think he took a lot from uh, being Manstrauss's uh, backup last season, uh, who, you know, what decided to go pro, uh, you know, th- this year, but uh, over in the Swedish league, but he's just been phenomenal to watch. But, you know, Owen too, Owen's been night and day, the player he was last year, pre the world championships. And he's been a ton of fun to watch, but Beniers, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a Seattle Kraken fan. If I'm a crackhead, like I'm watching Beniers <laughs> and I am absolutely losing my mind at, well, you know, again, possibly in my opinion, the most, you know, NHL ready player from that draft, mm-hmm. from that draft class, you know, if you, if you were to put him into the NHL right out of the draft and, you know, again, that's, he, he's, a, he's played phenomenally up the middle for them. And I've, uh, I, I'm, I, I, if I'm a Seattle fan, I'm extremely excited. Yeah. I remember watched Beneers last year in the run up to the world juniors and then at the tournament. And, you know, he was, uh, he's an impressive young player. 
and I think he's got a chance to be a really good player for a really long time. So uh, I, I'm I'm happy that he went back to school and yep, uh, you know has that um, time to continue to develop. I like when guys do that. I think it'll really help Owen Power down the road as well. So uh, you know uh, you know these are really fun young players to watch, and uh, this is the beauty. I've been able to do this for for so many years now. I can remember you know, all these young guys that have come into the league during my career and watched their careers blossom and they have great careers. And now it's funny, we're talking, it's the night of the, you know, the Hockey Hall of Fame induction. And I've seen so many of those careers that guys who were drafted, that played at the World Juniors and got into the NHL. And now some of them are in the Hockey Hall of Fame. So I guess that's the beauty of uh, experience and the good fortune I've had. But, uh, you know, those kids that you're mentioning there, they got a, they got a lot of upside and it'll be, It'll be yeah. great to see when they get to the National Hockey League how things go. And you know what? And with the way things ended last year with uh, obviously a couple of players that team getting COVID and, you know, their tournament getting cut short, yeah. having that brass ring kind of dangled in front of you, that's probably just so much more incentive to come back knowing that you're going to have just honestly the best team in the nation coming back. There's that core five players. I think it was four, four of the first five picks taken in the first round. Yeah. I think they had a fifth player taken at the end of the first. I think it was uh, actually Pat Brisson's son, was it not? I think it was. Yeah. Vegas, yeah. I think at the end yeah. of the first. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, you know, that's just, I mean, when you have that much coming back and the, you know, a really legitimate chance as being the top dog to win a national championship. I don't blame any of those kids for wanting to go back. And, you know, it's going to be, like you said, it's going to do longer for their development. Uh, My last question to you before we let you go is uh, Alexander Ovechkin. The guy is probably off to his best start of his career. And I, you know, I'm a big, big, big Ovi fan. And, you know, I've, I've, I've listened, I listen to a lot of podcasts and a lot of, you know, you know, retired Canadian players uh, from up North. None of them want to see him break Gretzky's record. I, me personally, I think it's great for hockey to see this, you know, yeah. reminds me a lot of when McGuire and Sosa were going, you know, you know, swing for swing, chasing a single season home run record. Do you mean, do you feel, do you feel the same? Do you think this is good for hockey? Uh, him possibly breaking that record. And do you actually think he might do it? Well, it's absolutely great for hockey because it'll create a lot of interest. I mean, it was a record that nobody ever thought would be broken. Anybody would get to 894 goals. And, uh, you know, I think he's off to a great start this year. I mean, we we know the numbers. I mean, the numbers are the numbers. And, if uh, you know, if he can continue to play well and play at a high level for the next couple of years, I think he's got a chance to approach it. But there's a lot that can happen between now and then. And he's got to stay healthy and productive. And, uh, you know, we know the old story, right? Father Time is undefeated. Right now, Alex is holding off Father Time really, really well. He's doing a great job of it. <laughs> 36 so, years I, old. <laughs> yeah, I, I think he's got a great shot at doing it, much more so than I might have said a few years ago. But, again, it can change quick. He's got to stay healthy, and he's got to stay productive. And, you know, those things are going to be challenging for him. But, uh, boy. People have not made a lot of money betting against Alex Ovechkin in his career. So no. we'll just have to watch. And I think, again, that's why it's great for hockey, because it'll be a storyline moving forward day after day after day as he climbs up the ladder. I guess Yarmir Yager is the next one in his sights. He just yeah. passed Brett Hull. He's only got Yager, Gordy Howe, and then Wayne Gretzky. It's a lot of goals, yeah. but uh, it's just an, an amazing, amazing career for Alex Ovechkin. It's a shame too because you you know you're not a shame but it's a shame because I think I and I got asked this question uh you know on Twitter earlier this week I said you know do you think he hits nine fifty or even a thousand if not for all the COVID and lockout shortened seasons 
And that's a question. Yeah, I, I, yeah, a really there's no doubt. Question. I mean, yeah, there's, there's no doubt when you miss time. I mean, he's he's had, as you mentioned, he's had the uh, you know the uh, the work stoppages that have taken games mm -hmm. from him. He's had uh, obviously a COVID circumstance that is taking games from him. But you know, think about Yarmir Yager at seven sixty six. I mean, he's had yeah. work stoppages taken away from him. Remember he was KHL. out of the league. He went and played in the KHL. Now that's his own decision, really. But he missed like three or four years. I mean, he mm -hmm. might have been someone that could have challenged that mark or been much further up the list. And certainly, you know, you would have think that with that time could have passed Gordy Howe at least. So, you know, this is part and parcel of someone's career. Alex has been very fortunate to be healthy the whole time. Mm -hmm. And that's the biggest thing. I mean, I'm old enough to remember the great Mike Bossy and what a great goal scorer he was. He ended up having a bad back and it really shortened his career dramatically. He only got to play nine or 10 seasons, but Bubble one of the great goal scorers that I've ever seen. So, uh, you know, Alex has been healthy. Knock on wood for him. He stays healthy. And if he does, I think he's got a great chance to challenge the great one. I, I, I absolutely agree. Uh, and I like to, I like that you brought up Yager too, because, yeah. you know, I think there's, a, I think, right. I think he might be chasing Yager. Maybe not, maybe not first overall, but at least second. Um, you know, for not him going to the KHL and obviously the yep. work stoppage season. So, uh, again, EJ, thank you so much for coming out with us. I know I've been, uh, you know, been kind of a back and forth with you uh, over the past few months, and I, I'm very grateful for you coming on. Very humble. Then, yeah. uh, thank you so much, man. My pleasure. And uh, tell your partner I miss him, and yep. uh, he's doing good work. If he's on the ice yep. with kids and helping them get better. He's and that's really good. That's a yeah, good excuse. That's a he good actually excuse. messaged me about 15 minutes ago because he brought all his equipment with him to the rink. Sometimes he does that. <laughs> and uh, they, they they gave him the wrong Wi-Fi password. Oh, <laughs> yeah. boy. He's losing oh, his boy. mind. So, uh, but he, he wanted me to send his apologies for not being here. Because um, he, 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 when I told him we were having you back on, he got real excited because we had a lot of okay. fun with you the first time. First well, time. listen, we'll, we'll do it again maybe near the end of the season, and he'll be ready Absolutely. to go. Absolutely. Right. EJ, thank you again for hopping on with me, man. Um, you All know, right. do well, and uh, you know, let's go Sabers, right? All right, go get them. Go, go get, get them. All right, yeah. take care. You too. That was EJ Raddick, everybody. Uh, obviously, so appreciative him hopping on with us again. Just always a good conversation with EJ. You can check him on NHL Network. Um, one of the most respected minds of hockey. Unfortunately, as I mentioned before, Cully couldn't hop on with us. Uh, he's actually at the Northtown Center right now, and he couldn't find Wi-Fi. Uh, unfortunate, it happens. But um, we, uh, we we moved on, and we uh, we were able to get along without him. Uh, obviously, it's a much more fun conversation with Cully's here. But uh, he did want me to send his apologies to everybody that he couldn't make it to the show. So uh, with that being said, guys, obviously um, – Sabres uh, one for one uh, in this, the last two games against um, both uh, the Edmonton Oilers and, uh, you know, losing in a heartbreaker at the end of the game, 5-4 to the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, again, I believe they play tomorrow. Uh, I'm not familiar with who. Let me bring that up. Just give me one moment. Um, they, they host – they don't know. They they go they 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 go to Pittsburgh tomorrow night to face Sidney Crosby. Obviously, we've all seen that video of Sid the Kid getting pretty frustrated with the way things are going in Pittsburgh. Um, and then they go to I believe they host uh, the Calgary Flames uh, Thursday night. Yeah, so excited for that game. A hot, very hot Calgary team. Um, a team that was allegedly 
in the in you know very close to getting an Eichel deal done with Buffalo. Remember that big rumor from Kevin Weeks that came out about Matthew Tuchuk being on the table, uh, which ended up being disproven. Uh, but you know, two exciting games again, two big tests for Buffalo coming up with both Pittsburgh and uh, the Calgary Flames. Like Calgary Flames off to a very very hot start. Um, they're third in the Pacific Division, as you mentioned before, a very very difficult position. Uh, did division uh, difficult division to be in? Uh, just obviously let us know. Um, you know what you think uh, in the comments, either you know in, in the thread below or uh, on YouTube. Let us know uh, how you feel about the Sabers team, how you feel about the league as a whole, uh, and how this season has gone so far. Um, I'm excited. Uh, you know to see Ovechkin just continue to be on this tear that he's on, as we mentioned there with EJ before. I'm a, I'm a huge Ovechkin fan. I think he's my favorite non-Saber player ever. Um, just so much fun to watch that when the guy scores, it's like he's literally scoring his first goal ever, every single time. You, you just can't find love for the game like that in anybody, literally anybody. The guy just loves playing hockey. I could totally see this being a guy that can play until he's like 45. You mean like Tom Brady. He just keeps playing because he loves it. Um, and, uh, I honestly have no doubt in my mind that he's going to break Gretzky's record as long as he stays healthy. You know, again, knock on wood, uh, a guy that is more capable. He's the greatest goal scorer that ever lived. I don't, there's a for me, there's no doubt about it. The, the guy doing what he's done in his career so far with how good goaltending is as compared to when Gretzky played, how much better the competition is as compared to when Gretzky played again, that's no knock on them, but you know, obviously you, you back, Back in those days, you didn't have the Europeans and the Russians and the Czechs over playing right away. You know, you never, you know, you never got to experience, you know, those European and Czech and Russian goaltenders. Gretzky didn't shoot on those guys early in his career, uh, whereas Ovechkin's been playing at him from day one in his career. In uh, some of the best goaltenders that ever lived, including uh, that guy. Well, both these guys, all three of these guys back here. Uh, you know, he scored on all of them. So. Uh, uh, with that being actually, no, I can probably never score it on Wah. I think I think might have scored Hashik on you know and Hashik second stint around. So, but uh, with that being said, guys, this has been episode seventy-seven of Two Goalies One Mike. Um, thanks for hopping in with us. Uh, remember, this is brought to you by Outlet Liquor, the place to buy a case on George Urban Boulevard. Make sure you get over there again. One of my favorite places to get my adult beverages for any game night or game day for the Bills. Uh, you can't beat their prices and their selection uh, and. Make sure you let them know Dwayne from Two Goalies, Two Goalies, One Mike, and Trainwreck Sports sent you there. Uh, you know, give them a high five, a hug, whatever. Socially distance, elbow bump, whatever you feel like. So, with that being said, guys, um, thanks for hopping in. Uh, episode 77. I am Dwayne for Cully, and we will talk to you next week. Hey, everybody, this is Dwayne from Two Goalies, One Mike here to remind you that after you get done listening to the episode, which I hope you loved it and I hope you enjoyed it, please be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you are using Apple Podcasts, do me a favor. Please be sure to leave us a five-star review and, of course, write us a review. It goes a long way in getting us noticed and getting us some kind of recognition in this world of podcasting. It goes such a long way. And obviously, if you're watching on YouTube, at two goalies, one mic, hammer that subscribe button, leave us some comments, show us some love with some likes. Again, it goes a long way and we really appreciate your love and support to those of you who have been with us since episode one. 
Thanks for sticking with us for this long. For those of you who are jumping on the bandwagon right now, I promise you, you will not be disappointed. We have a season of guests that are going to blow you away. Uh, this year for hockey is going to be big with them going to ESPN, TNT. We've already seen how great it's been. Just, you know, they just got done with the first two nights of the season. It's been phenomenal. We get Gretzky back, Gretzky and Barkley. It's it's phenomenal. It's absolutely phenomenal. So we are going to have so much to talk about this year. Thanks for hopping on with us. Thanks for listening to this episode, and we will talk to you soon. Hi, I'm Connie Teeson, the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app. Do did will the story of people podcast is now available on the crier media network the first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories ready tara sloan from the san jose sharks undercurrent podcast at nbc sports marianne iveson from iveson voice and the let's take this outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network.